Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Today we're talking about how navigation, and we're talking about navigating life, how it is just a process where really you need reliable tools. You need good maps. You need a good GPS system. You need to understand how to get there uh, from one place to another because um, if, if you don't know where you're going, then there's a good chance you'll never get there. Amen? And, and that's very similar to our spiritual journey. Our spiritual journey is so important. And if we want to reach the destination that God has for us, the to live a life that is full of purpose, to live a life that is fulfilled, uh, uh, to live a life ultimately that leads us to eternity with, with the Lord, then, then we need to make sure that we are navigating with the tools and the methods that he gave us. He loves us enough that he gave us incredible navigational tools, and it's just important that we use those tools to go where the Lord wants us to go. We don't follow the things of the world, the patterns of the world. We don't follow human philosophy or social ideas. Uh, even our own reasoning is faulty in this area. Our emotions will lie to us. And, and ultimately, all of those things, if that's what we're following, will lead us to spiritual death. Truthfully, if we want to have life and that more abundant life, then we have to navigate using the tools that God has given us. And, and that's really what this series is all about. That's really what this series is about, of, of learning how to walk in this life, to effectively never navigate life the way that God has intended for us to navigate life. You know, I believe that everyone in this room wants to live the best life that you could ever live. Well, we know that the best life you could ever live is the life that God created you to live, the life that God fashioned you to live, the life that God put in you to live. And if we want to live that life that God has for us, then we need to identify the things that God has given us to help us and the things that he has instructed us to do. And we started this series talking about how one of the greatest or perhaps the greatest navigational tool is just our personal belief in the existence of God and the reflection that that has in our life. We believe that he is the mighty God that is the creator and because he is dependent on nothing and everything is dependent on him, we submit our life to him and then that faith in God starts working into our life and helps us on all of the decisions that we make, on all of the things that go on in our life and of course we believe that that is essential for us to navigate life. Because when you believe in God, you submit to his authority. I'm not, I'm not talking about just believe, yeah, there's a God out there. When you believe that he is the God that looks upon our life and sees us and loves us, we submit to his authority because we know he has the right to tell us how to live. Amen. He is the one that is our Lord and Savior. So he has the right and we give him the right to dictate to us, to tell us, to lead us and to guide us. So I'm thankful for that. Amen. 
Then last week, we talked about the, the Word of God and how important the Word of God is. Remember, we stand upon the Word of God. I, I actually stood on the Bible last, uh, yes, last Sunday uh, with my red socks. And one of the things I was so thankful for is that I didn't have any holes in my socks when I did that because that wasn't something that I had planned to do. But we believe in the power of the Word of God. We believe that it is reliable, infallible, inerrant. We believe that the Word is something that has been given to us to instruct us, to correct us, and to challenge us and rebuke us. This is another tool, essential tool for us if we're going to navigate life. Amen? So I have my faith in God. I have the Word of God. This becomes my roadmap. This is the thing that tells me there's not a gas station over the next hill. This is the one that gives me the clear directions on how to live my life, how to listen to God's commandments, and to listen to the teachings of Jesus, and to live a righteous life. Amen. So today, our third installment in this series is about the church. Everybody say the church. Now, I know what that brings up into many of your minds, your thoughts, word picture that comes up. You may think about a building. You may think about an organization. You may think about a service that takes place. You may think about a, an experience. And, and there's a lot of people, unfortunately, when they think about church, they think about pain, the hurt that they've gone through. But I want you to understand something. When we're talking about the church, we're talking about God's plan. Now, it's imperfect because we're involved in it. But in God's plan, he has always wanted to create and live among a people, among a group of people that would reflect his image to the world around us. That's what God's plan has always been. God's always plan was to be among a group of people and let their love for him be reflected. What did he say to his followers? You are the light of the world. So this is the plan of God. We see it from the very beginning. The Garden of Eden, what does God do? He creates man and woman in his image. He gives them dominion over his creation. He tells them to be fruitful and multiply because he wants to experience a people group. He walks with them in the garden. He talks with them in the garden. Mankind was his people and the whole earth, everybody say the whole earth, was his temple. But something happened in the book of Genesis that changed that and it was sin. Sin came in, there became a separation between God and mankind because of the sin of man, but that didn't mean that God didn't work his plan. He, we see it, how God worked his plan throughout the Old Testament, specifically when we get to the uh, man called Abraham, and God gives him a dream about how he will be the father of a nation, a great nation, and this great nation will be his people. We see it played out when we look at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and ultimately Moses that brings the children of Israel out of the land of bondage of Egypt and then God starts talking to them, giving them commandments, giving them the law and, and, and he says this will be a nation that will reflect my image to the world and will bring glory to God. So in this setting, the whole earth wasn't his temple, but because God loved us so much, he allowed the children of Israel to build a physical temple 
and he would let his presence stay in that temple and be with the children of Israel so that they could dwell together. This is what God wants. He wants us to dwell together. We can see that in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. This is the story when they opened the temple or dedicated the temple, and this is what the scripture says. As soon as Solomon finished the prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped him and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good for his steadfast love abides, endures forever. Now this was something that God planned But this was not the ultimate plan of God. This was a temporary plan of God because God doesn't want to live in a building that is built by the hands of man. God ultimately wants to live within us. He wants to walk with us. And that wasn't good enough. So here comes Jesus, God manifests in the flesh that is sent to earth for our sacrifice. So that this sin that separated us from God could be completely removed. And Jesus is the one that made that sacrifice. And he is the one that had power over death. So listen real quickly. Let me explain it. Jesus dies. He defeats sin and death. Was raised to life. And you know what happened next? Something that is called Pentecost. Where the spirit of God fell. We're going to talk about the Uh, Spirit of God in a couple of weeks where the Spirit of God fell and when that happened God again was dwelling with people the Spirit of God was poured out and God was dwelling among his people now now I've covered a lot of ground background here and many of you may be saying pastor I thought you were going to talk about the church (laughs) well I've said all that to get to talking about the church because now While in the book of Genesis, the whole earth was his temple. And then in the Old Testament, after Moses received the law, the temple was his, uh, the the actual temple was the place that he dwelt. Now he dwells in his people. And his people are called the church. Amen. Amen. This is what the scripture says. and, and, And I want you to understand about this scripture. Put first... Corinthians chapter 16, uh, uh, verse 3 and verse number 16 up there. Now, I want, let, let's, let, me, let me give you a little history about this before I get into it. This is Paul that is writing, and he's writing to the church in Corinth. He's giving them some examples of how they should conduct themselves, be together, work together, be the church. And, and this is what he tells them. Do you not know that you are God's temple... And that God's spirit dwells in you. Now, listen, many times we personalize these passages and we talk about how it means me. And, and yes, the spirit of God dwells in you. But I want you to be very clear. That's not what Paul is saying here. He is writing to the church. And in the original Greek language, that you there is plural. He's talking to a group of people. Do you not know that you, the church in Corinth... Uh, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you, the church in Corinth. You see, 
Paul is saying to the church, you are now the temple of God. You are now the body of Christ. Another scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, says it like this. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For just as the body is one and many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body. So we are the body of Christ. We are the temple of Christ. So it is with Christ. One more scripture 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 27. Now you, that's the same word, that plural word, are the body of Christ. Hey, church at Corinth, guess what? Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of that body. So uh, this is not only Paul saying this, this is also Peter. Peter is also saying the same things. And if you look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and 5, he says you also, again, talking to the church like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. Everybody say a spiritual house. Well, what is a spiritual house? It's the temple of God. It's the place where God dwells. You are being built into the spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hey folks, this is God's plan. Everybody say this is God's plan. The church is God's plan. And guess what? It's his only plan. He doesn't have a plan B. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? That's pretty arrogant, and, and, and you're really speaking like you're sure. That, well, I'm sure because I've read the map. I've read the book. I've read what he has said, and the church is God's plan. And the, church, the plan of God is to have a people, not individuals, but individuals that bind together, united as one, and this is what we are supposed to do as his body, as his temple. We are to reflect his image to the world around us and bring glory to God. Amen. Listen, a church is never to bring glory to itself. The church is always to bring glory to God. Because we are not worthy of glory, but he is worthy of all glory. Does anybody believe that with me today? Amen. Amen. And just as our belief in the existence of God is essential, and just as our uh, following the word of God is essential, then I believe that the church is just as essential for navigating life uh, as, if, as if the church being God's plan isn't enough, I want to tell you some more benefits that are involved in the church being a part of God's plan. So I mentioned to you, to you before, what do we see in the book of Acts? This is what we see. We see the church full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. And as they're full of the Spirit, then God uses the church to show forth His glory and he also uses the church to, to minister to people. So how does the church respond to being full of his glory? Well, there is a very important passage of scripture that is found in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse number 42. It is really the foundation of what any church anywhere should be. Because this is what that first church did. If you look at that scripture, it says they devoted themselves, amen, so the first thing is people just devoting themselves, just giving themselves completely, just saying, I'm all in. 
I want to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. They devoted themselves, and we can't overlook that. So many times what we see is that people don't give themselves to it. They don't devote themselves to the work of God But in that first church, when they were baptized in the Spirit, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Amen. So so I would say that this scripture is, this is where we really see what God intends for the church. What God intends for the church to do, what God intends for the church to be. So let's talk about these four things. The first thing that we see in that passage of scripture, we find that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everybody say teaching. So the church is essential because it's in the church that we have biblical instruction. It's in the church that we start looking into the Word and seeing what the Word of God has to say for our life and how we should live our life and how we should conduct ourselves as a group. And and when we leave this building, we go all across the city and we have all different kinds of, of careers and all different kinds of occupations that we go into. But what we learn here is something that we take into those careers, those jobs, those homes, those houses, wherever we may go and apply that learning so that we can reflect the glory of God. Amen. It's in the church where the gospel of Jesus Christ is taught, where it's preached and where it is proclaimed. Amen. I'm thankful for the ability to come into a building and hear somebody talk about Jesus. Amen. I just don't think we can get enough of that type of preaching. I think that Jesus is the answer to today's problems. And while this building is just a building of, of uh, steel and sheetrock, and it's, it's a special place because we gather here. It's not the church, it's the building that the church meets in. Because guess what? We are the church, not a building, not an organization, not a, a, a campaign. We are the church. This is what the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. It says, so faith comes from hearing. Everybody say hearing. Did anybody hear me when I said that? Faith comes by hearing. When you hear the word of God preached. When you, uh, hopefully last week when you heard me talk about the Bible and how important it is. Hopefully you heard that and you spent some time in the word of God this past week. Two weeks ago when you heard me preach about the existence of God. Hopefully you heard that. And you're building your faith believing that God has it all under control. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of the Lord, talking about the preaching, the proclamation, the the exhortation that comes when you come into the house of the Lord. You see, this is what we find. We find that faith is found in the church. Faith is found in the teaching of God's word. Growth comes through the, the word of God. Growth comes through somebody teaching the word of God. And as this happens and as we learn and as it's given to us, This is what takes place. We become equipped to do the work that God has called us to do. Amen. This is what happens when you get a new job or you go into a new career or you go into a new area. 
There is training that takes place. I just wonder, has anybody gone through any training on your job? Let me just see your hand. Of course you have. They're telling you what to do. They're telling you how to do it. And the reason they're training you is they want you to be equipped to do the job that they've hired you to do. Well, in the church, the teaching, the Word of God, it is what equips us to be who God wants us to be and to live the life that God wants us to live. Let me give you an example. 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's just start in verse number 16. This is what it says. All Scripture. Will you just say that with me, that first word? All Scripture. Just look to your neighbor and say, all Scripture. Not some of it. Not a portion of it. We don't cut pieces of it out. We don't throw pieces of it away. We look at all Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But that's not where it ends. If you look at verse number 17, then it tells you why the Lord has taken the time to rebuke you, for to teach you, to correct you, and to train you, so that the servants of God, amen, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. <laughs> Is there anybody in the room that wants to do good work? Let me just see your hands if you want to do good work. You want to do work that's meaningful, work that changes the world around you, work that blesses people. One more time, I want to see your hand if you want to do good work. Look, can I tell you something? I want to let you to know that before you were born, before you even made your grand appearance on the stage of this world, God had already prepared good works for you to do. And it's important that if he's prepared good works for me to do, that I am thoroughly equipped to do whatever God has called me to do. Amen. And how does that take place? It takes place by the teaching of the word. So number one, the church is so important for us just to be taught. I, I love our small groups. I love our, uh, our growth track. It's all those things put together. It's coming in here. It's a prayer time that we have together. It's it, uh, Val, thank you for talking about the, the devotions. All this week you can click on and watch our devotions at 6.30 every morning because we want people to grow. We want people to find what God has for them. We want people to be thoroughly equipped for for the good work that God has you to do. I am always, one of the happiest moments in my life as a minister is when somebody comes up and starts telling me about the good works that God has led them into and the good works that they are doing and the people that they are talking to and the people that they are blessing and the people that they are helping. That's what I want, God. Make me thoroughly equipped for those things. Amen. The second thing, looking back at Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Amen. Now, fellowship doesn't mean what you and I may think it means. We, we may think it means just getting together and talking and, and watching an Astros game. and we're, we're with those Astros. Amen. I like what the, how they're playing right now. That, 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 that's, that's, not, that's not really the fellowship that this passage of Scripture is talking about. As a matter of fact, it's not really even a social activity when we look at it 
in this setting and in this context. It's actually a Greek word that is um, koinonia. Koinonia, probably the only Greek word that I can correctly pronounce. So I'll just say it one more time. Koinonia. And I've got to say koinonia and Lithuania today. I am on a roll. (laughs) Two of my favorite words. And, And koinonia means partnership. It means joint participation. And this is what it's really saying when, when they were together for fellowship, it's where we come together as members, as living stones. Remember what Peter said, living stones that God is using to build a building, a holy temple, to form a partnership with one another for joint participation in doing the work of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. I, I just have to tell you that I am always overwhelmed. And, and, and today, Wanira, where's Wanira at? Stand up, Wanira. I, I want to just see you for just a minute. Where, there you are. This is your seat over here. Why did you leave? You, you, I'm all confused now. Wanira showed me today the, some paintings that she had done for Ima's home uh, for the craft show that's going to be taking place. They're beautiful. They're, they're, they're really works of art, and she's very artistic. And, and, you know, I was looking at that, and I'm really kind of overwhelmed that, that this is something that God gave me. I mean, I was the guy that was in the back of the taxi when God spoke to me about starting this, and, and, and God has blessed it, and God has helped it. But you know what's been beautiful is that when I shared this good work that God asked me to do, then you partnered with me. That's koinonia. Where's Erica? Erica, stand up. Erica has written an amazing... No, come. Don't be halfway down. This is what the old song says. When you're up, you're up. When you're down, you're down. But when you're only halfway up, you're neither up nor down. Erica has written an incredible book. And you know where that came from? That came from God talking to her, God helping her. And the fact that we are now able to participate in that, buy that book, have the small groups that go with it, this is what the church is all about. It's about the participation. It's about us working together. It's about fellowship that is more than just saying, hey, buddy, how you doing? It's about saying, let's work together and see what God will do through us. Amen. You see, we are sharers of the Holy Spirit. We are members of the body. We are stones of one house to do the work of God and reflect His image to the world and to bring Him glory. Hallelujah. To bring Him glory. To bring God glory. And He deserves the glory. Let my life Bring him glory. He's pulled me out of darkness into a marvelous light that I should show forth the praises of him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I want you to just know that there is a lie out there. And the lie is that I can have a great relationship with God and and I can live the life that he's called me to live, but I don't have to be a part of a church. 
to lie. It's directly in, in uh, opposite of what the scriptures I've been reading. This is the plan of God. I'm not saying that you can't grow on your own. I'm not saying that you can't get good things on your own. I'm not saying that you can't be blessed in your own time of devotion and own time of prayer. But I'm telling you, the plan of God is that we join together as the church. God doesn't call lone wolves to go out there and do it. God calls the church to show forth His glory. Let me just read a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture, but it's important when we're talking about the church, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verse number 12 through verse number 27, so just be patient with me and bear with me and follow. Paul says to the church in Corinth, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. It doesn't matter if we're Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, (laughs) And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, that that might give you a nightmare. (laughs) If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Guess what? We need hearing just as much as we need sight. Verse number 18 says it like this. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. (laughs) Let's just stay there for a minute. I know some of you look in the mirror and you think, man, I wish I had two noses on either side of my head. And I wish I had one big ear right on my front of my face. If that's what you say, come see me. We're going to get you help right away. (laughs) No, most of us look at the face in the mirror and think, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. We, 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 yeah, I'm so glad I woke up this morning and my eyes are right where they're at. And, you know, we don't even think about it because it's natural. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. This is how God has put us together because it's just the way that he wants them to be. Verse number 19, we go on and that says, for if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. There's many different members, but we're one church. The eye cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are uh, unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, given great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division 
in the body. <laughs> Listen, I don't know how it all lays out in God's vocabulary. I'm not sure which of you are the feet. I'm not sure who's the ear. Um, there's a good chance I may be the mouth. I don't know. I hope my breath is not bad. Um, but however it's put together, this is the way that God put it together so that we don't have division. If you're a foot or an elbow or a shoulder or the back of the head or whatever you are, don't be mad at somebody that's an eyeball. You know, really, Paul was pretty funny, wasn't he? That's pretty cool how he says that. But the truth is, there should be no division in the body, but that the part should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern for each other. If one body suffers, every part suffers with it. Anybody ever had an ingrown toenail? Let me just see your Your whole body's hurting. Anybody have a toothache? You don't want anybody to talk at you or look at you because your whole body's hurting. I mean, you smash your fingernail with a hammer. Everything hurts. Am I right or am I right? That's the way the body is. We shouldn't rejoice if somebody falls or if somebody's hurting. We should understand and have concern for one another that if one part suffers, every part suffers. If there was ever a message for today when the world is trying to divide us based on our economic status or our color of our skin, this is the message that the world needs to hear, that it doesn't matter who we are or what we look like, we should have concern for one another and love for one another and caring for one another. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you, let's see, we're at verse number 27. Again, this is the Greek word that is plural. You, all of you in Corinth, are the body of Christ, and each one of you, then it goes back to the singular, is a part of it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful when I see people using the gifts that God has given them. When I see people stepping up and becoming a part of the team and using what God has equipped them to do. Uh, where's Rick? Rick, Villanueva, stand up, Rick. I want to see you uh, for just a minute. Where are you? Normally sit over here, but to uh, Rick, no, no. You're either up or you're down. Hey, hey, listen. Rick has one of the most amazing testimonies and God has blessed him so much. And God has given him a gift of understanding finances and, and, and helping people. And, and you know what Rick did? He saw that and he said, I want to bring it to the church. And, and, and Rick helps us with our, um, with our financial peace university. And, and God, bless you for, God bless you for bringing that gift and making it alive and helping and, and, and it's necessary. It's something that's such a part of what we need for the, the spiritual gifts to be at use. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Let me just read it in the ESV. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 in the New Living Translation says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Amen. 
So I'm thankful that the church is here for teaching. Everybody say teaching. I'm thankful that the church is here for fellowship. Verse number 42 of Acts chapter 2. They voted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. Community. Relationships and friends. One of the greatest joys on Sundays is just to watch people come in and find their church friends. Let's watch them talking together. Watch them, watch them growing together. Uh, I, I, I was thinking this week when, when uh, my nephew Jason was given the devotion, I, I loved how God brought him to our church. He started using his gift, which is musical. And, and guess what? He started uh, fellowshipping and, and getting to notice that there was a young lady that had the same type of gifts and, and married Tara. And they're just an incredible family. I love that. I love how we can be friends together and we can have these relationships and and when it says breaking of bread that you know what that means that means that we share meals together that we just give our life to one another and and especially in that day that was so significant it, it meant that they were doing life together and, and and I've already mentioned small groups that this is a big reason why we have those small groups. I, I want just to remind you that when the people saw the power of God fall on the temple in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 7, this is what they said, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. So let me ask you a question. What does it look like for the glory of God to fill the church? I mean, this is something that is noticeable to the world that is around us when the glory of God fills the church. This is something that should make them say, wow, Jesus really is good and his love endures forever. What, what would it look like? Would it mean that we're having these incredible signs and miracles and prophecies and, and, and we're having this, this uh, 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 healings and, and teachings and preaching? Now, let, let me just bring it down to the grass, the, the, the root of what, what really the glory of God is. It's when we love one another. That may be the greatest miracle that this world will ever see. Is when a diverse group of people. When people that come from every background that you can think of. When we truly love one another. When we truly care for one another. Okay. Let me just bring it to you how Jesus said it. John chapter 13, 34 through 35. So now I'm giving you the new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is the proof. The kind of love we should have for one another where the world looks at us and thinks, man, look, Jesus is real. God is good. Paul said it like this in the book of Galatians chapter 6 and 2. Share each other's burdens and this way you obey the law of Christ. And I've just got to tell you, if we're going to do that, we have to be a part of a church. And if we're going to do that, it has to be more than I walk in on Sunday, find my seat, walk out on Sunday. I, I need to know you. I, I need to spend time with you. I need to find a group that I 
am a part of, that I, that I can open up to, that I can, that I can, that, you know, one of the things that I've done all my life when I preach weddings is I've talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about how we should love one another and care for one another and, 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 and we don't bear uh, ill will against one another. When the truth is, that's what Paul is saying to us. That our love should never fail. And, and let me just step on your toes for a minute. He says that if you speak in tongues like an angel <laughs> and you don't have love for one another in the sound of God, it's like somebody hitting a cymbal. And if you prophesy and do all kinds of things, he even says, even give your body to be burned. Just kill me for the sake of God. Hallelujah. But you don't have love for one another? That it is meaningless. I want to love like God loves me. And if we don't have that love for one another, it's just a noise, it's just noise to God. So, the church is good for teaching. The church is good for fellowship of koinonia. The church is good for breaking of bread. And finally, the church is good for prayer. That's the last thing that it says there in Acts chapter 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19. And I'm... I'm about to close. I can feel your, you know, rushing me, and I rebuke that. I'm going <laughs> to stick with what the Lord has told me to say today. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not, I'm not, I love you guys. <laughs> Got to practice what I preach. Amen. This is what Jesus says. He said to them, the scripture declares, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Do we rob God of prayer? You know, the devotions that we give each day, we, we end with prayer, we end with a focus of prayer. I, I just encourage you, if you haven't been doing that, that this is the week that you get your family together and pray together and pray on your way to work, whatever it may be. And, 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 and as we end our 21 days, next Sunday we come in, we're going to have devotion, uh, we're going to have communion together, and I'm really looking forward to that. But this is what praying together means we are. We're praying for the kingdom of God to come on earth. Uh, uh, I saw somebody wear a shirt this week. Hi, was it you that as in heaven in Houston, Texas, I want one of those shirts. I want the glory of God. Thank you. I want the glory. Uh, they're back there? Okay, make sure I get one. 2X, 2X. Got where I was at now. We want the glory of God to come. We, we want for God's will to be done, earth, done on earth just as it is in heaven. We want God to move into our communities, our city, our nation, our world. We want to pray together for the lost. We want to pray together for boldness and for wisdom. We want to pray over the sick. We want to pray over the hurting. We want to pray for each other. Isn't that beautiful that we can carry the load for each other? And through the years, I've had prayer requests from so many of you. You've talked to me, and, and I count it such a privilege to be able to take that need to the Lord, knowing 
that I am loving and caring and doing what God has called me to do. Because this is what James says. He said in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Verse number 14, Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse number 15 says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So, there's the teaching. There's the fellowship. There's the breaking of bread and there's prayer. And I just end today by asking you, Do we really need the church? Three people said yes. I'm going to give you another chance. (laughs) Do we really need the church? Do, Do we really need the church to live the life that God has called for us to live, the best life that we could ever live? Yes, 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 yes. I'm thankful that we can gather in this room. I'm thankful for the moments. I mean, my goodness, Caleb just took us into a whole nother level to start this service. Now, I know a lot of you weren't here for the first song, but if you'll go back and look at it, it was really amazing and you missed it. Moved us into the presence of the mighty God. I I love coming together. I I, I love being out in the lobby and hugging people and being a part of the the same body. I love being a part of the church. And I want you to understand that this gathering did not come cheaply. It was bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. He gave his life so that we could be part of him, that we could be a part of his plan, and we could be his church. And he didn't set any stipulations on who could be a part of it. In one setting, They were going through the Jewish rituals of the day and and all of the pomp and circumstance. And Jesus was sitting there and, and I can just imagine the frustration that was building up in Him. And He stood and with a loud voice said, Anyone that thirsts, let Him come unto Me. Anyone. That's the same message that He's saying today. He's here. And he wants us to be a part of his plan. Will you stand with me? I'm thankful for the church. Prayer team, will you come? Prayer team, come right on. This is what I would like. I would like for you to as the team leads us in this last song
If you need prayer, I, I, want, I want you to just step out. I want you to come and that's what the church is all about. Church is all about somebody coming, bringing your needs, us bearing your needs. We need a couple of more members down here, if you don't mind, prayer team. Thank you. And, and you know what? Just before we dismiss or, or have our prayer time, Bobby, where's Bobby? Bobby. She's up. So some of you see people sitting on that top. That, that's... That's a seat reserved for our intercessors. So we have intercessors for every service that sit up there that pray over this service every minute that I'm up here speaking. Thank God. That's just another gift. And and today, Bobby is serving in that area. She normally sits right down here somewhere. That's why I look. It seems like today we just moved around. I'll call you back to your main seat next week if you don't mind. I want us to pray for Bobby. She received a report this past week. Went back to the doctor on Tuesday for more information. Uh, I want us to pray that the Lord would touch her body. Let's just pray for Bobby right now. What a precious lady. Lord, I thank you for Bobby, and I thank you that she's a part of this church. What a faithful member she has been. What consistency, what encouragement. And dear Lord, as a body right now, what we're doing is we're directing our prayers for her health, for her healing. I know what the doctors have said, dear Lord, but I also know that you can walk with her, that you can heal her, that you can help her. And that's what we're praying right now, dear Lord, by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we ask for your touch and your healing for our sister. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. Now, Pastor Pastor Tito's going to come back and close the service in just a moment, but... I want Andrew to lead us in uh, this last song. And as they do, you come and find your prayer partner, pray together or pray there at your seat. If you need to go, I understand, but slip out quietly as you go. And and if you're going to fellowship, do that out in the lobby. Hey, one more thing. I love you, Life Church, and I'm thankful for you.